Over the last several decades, we have watched our culture go from a mostly Christian worldview to an increasingly secular worldview. This shift has made it um, very hard for some people to openly live a Christian life and to openly speak what the Bible actually teaches. There, there are there are countries where reading passages about sin straight from the Bible is considered hate speech, and people have been jailed simply for reading Scripture. So, what do Christians need to keep in mind as we live in an increasingly unchristian world? Welcome to the Creation Today Show. I am your host, Eric Hoven, and our goal here is really pretty simple. We're just trying to disciple the world one person at a time, and it really does bless my socks off. Yes, I'm from the South. Uh, to know that you guys are joining us today for this discussion. Uh, if you're live with me on Facebook or YouTube, or you're one of our partners right here, Joel, great to have you. Lisa, great to have you. Hey, we just want you to know that we love interacting. So if you just let us know where you're watching from in the chat, we'd appreciate it. And who knows, Amanda over there in the office might be feeling kind of generous might give somebody a gift today if you if you comment. Hey, to my podcast listeners out there, thank you guys for your encouragement. I love it when you email us and share with us your feedback on the show and your thoughts. It is such a blessing to me. Shout out to our television stations, uh, specifically one of our fantastic partners, uh, WTLW Traffic up in Lima, Ohio. You guys are awesome. Thank you for airing this show as part of your discipleship to the people in your community. We sure do love partnering with you. So, so how do we, as Christians, live in an increasingly unchristian world, a, a secular world? Well, to talk about it, my guest today uh, has been shepherding the flock. If you're not a Christian and you don't know what Christian lingo means, that means he's a pastor. He's been, he's been pastoring for more than 30 years. His teachings are literally going around the world through his television program, uh, through his website, through his real life ministry. I got to tell you, his, his insights on taking the truths from God's word and applying them to our lives in everyday situations they are profound. They are practical. They are fantastic. And that's why I've asked him, uh, what does it look like to live in a Christian, to live as a Christian in an unchristian world? Ladies and gentlemen, please help join, uh, help me welcome our guest today, Pastor Jack Hibbs. Pastor Jack, thanks for hanging out with me today, sir. Eric, brother, it's awesome to be with you. It's about time, right? We've tried this <laughs> before, I think. Finally. It is about time. I'm really glad we're making this happen. To be honest, I got to be honest with you, Pastor Jack. I wanted a pastor from communist China to give me advice on this question, but I figured communist California was close enough for what we were going to talk about. So does hey, that work? That works perfectly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, no question. You are living in probably one of the most liberal states and trying to pastor and trying to help people understand how to live in the most liberal state, well, between New York and you, in, in America. So that's why I wanted to get you on to talk about this and get your advice. You think you got something good for us as we go here? 
I do have something good for us oh, as we good. go through this. Absolutely. Where do you want me to start? Do you want to start peppering me with um, questions or what? Yeah, do you I'm just going to bring stuff to you. I want to see how you respond to this. Most of us have, you know, we've um, we've read stories of people that have endured some kind of like major hardship because of their Christian faith. Sure. But most of us, we really don't have any idea what enduring that kind of thing is really about that we read about. Um, this past pandemic really kind of shook the world. And it shook a lot of Christians going, okay, what are we supposed to do here? How do we act? How do we behave? And not necessarily about the, you know, what happened in the coronavirus and stuff like that or the, the COVID, but um, what is some, where do you see our world today? What, what are some of the challenges that are coming? How unchristian is it getting? Is it, is it getting to be the point where it's anti-Christian? Yeah, absolutely. And I got to tell you, probably this disclaimer up front, Eric, is the fact that I had the wonderful opportunity of being saved and raised in a church that taught uh, not so much cultural engagement. It was just simply expositional teaching, Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa under Chuck Smith. Having said that, um, prophetically, Bible prophecy was a big deal. Uh, in my spiritual development. So when I look around at California, when I look around at the nation and the world, I am actually incredibly encouraged. Our church is very encouraged. Here's the reason why. Yes, it's true. We, we live in California. For those who have not been here for a while or been keeping up with what's happening, we literally have a dictator. Wow. Uh, it's bizarre. We've got a man as governor that is propped up uh, by the Democrat Party, propped up by George Soros. It's no secret, propped up by entities that are grooming him. It's no secret here in California. He will run for president in 2024. And wow. the guy's invincible. He's just invincible on the human surface, right? For us as believers, Eric, he... Uh, was relentless against the church in uh, the pandemic event or plandemic, as you accurately place it. <laughs> I didn't but, know if people would catch that. I was trying oh, to slip I got it in it. there. <laughs> no, no, we, we're in tune with that one. So here's the deal. By the way, as you and I were speaking right now, LA County, San Diego County, all of them are masking up and telling people to go get their boosters right now. Mask up, COVID's back. And I predict COVID's going to be back until the first week of November is over. And then somehow it's going <laughs> to go away. But here's why we're so very encouraged is what we've seen here in the way of growth at the church. When I say growth, I'm not talking about numbers. That did happen. This, you know, we've, we baptized over 3,000 people. That's crazy, right? That is like during the, during the pandemic, during while all this so, is going on. Yeah, absolutely. We had three Saturdays where we had to have three different services on Saturday of just baptisms down at the beach that equated to 3,011 people. Unbelievable. Wow. So the physical growth is there, but that's not the most important part. What we have seen has been amazing. And I do believe that if we're allowed to write history, we're living in a historic moment for this reason. People pursuing truth wanting to know Jesus and press into him. So what most people might think is Bible teaching. How boring is that? Verse by verse. Oh my goodness. It has caused people to pursue truth and they're emboldened. They're not afraid and they're speaking up. 
And in California, I know this sounds crazy, but in California, systematically, that that those truth bearers are now affecting their communities. And we are radically encouraged. But one more thing before uh, I be quiet. Why <laughs> am I encouraged? Why am I so excited? Is because in 2 Timothy 3, Paul told Timothy, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then he gives a list of how you can expect or how you can identify those perilous times. And Eric, it's like reading somebody's, you know, tweet or Facebook or the LA Times. It's the front page news right now. Front page news, brother. So we are living it out and it's happening. And I got to tell you, I was born and raised in San Diego, so I'm very biased. I think California is the most, the physically, the most beautiful state in the world. Having said that, it is the most politically insane place, <laughs> but I wouldn't want to be anywhere else on the planet right now. I wouldn't budge from this location. That's amazing. See, I'm in Florida, which I guess you would have to give a second place at least to because uh, we got humidity. Uh, but we have incredible government here, man. We 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 have been blessed beyond measure during this entire process. Okay, yeah. I got a quote from your book, Countdown, new book that you did called Countdown, where you said, we are a nation uh, that was founded on biblical principles, but we as a culture have by and large forgotten and rejected that history and turned away from those principles. As a result, we're, we're literally hanging on to the truth of God's word in this nation by a thread. And if we let that go then there's nothing else left. Yeah. Tell me about, because I mean, as a ministry, I find I, I don't I don't take a stand as a ministry. We, we focus on hindsight 2020. It's our called creation today. I know what happened back then. When I try to look forward, I'm like, oh boy. I mean, we can all read the scriptures, but we don't take a stand, but you're, you're, you're a pastor. You kind of have to. So tell me what your view is and, and what Countdown's all about and what you're hoping to educate people on there. Yeah. Countdown intentionally is is um, it's a very small uh, book uh, that I, I wanted to reach people, uh, and it was birthed out of the COVID period. I wanted to reach people who who were not familiar with Scripture or that they were Christians that they were terrified. I mean, terrified. And so people were asking, people were calling the church, "Hey, what's happening? What's going on?" They were not believers. So I crafted this little booklet. I call it a booklet. It's a very small book of something like 100 pages, but it's like an elaborate track. Remember the old tracks you'd hand out to oh, witness? Yeah. Well, it's not that small, but it's not a, a, you know, a, a book where someone's going to shy away from it. So what it does is that countdown, it gets people's attention. And then it also addresses the key factors that people were calling to ask us. Is this the end of the world? No, it's not. Here's the reason why. What do I do now? Well, here's what you do now. How can I believe that the Bible is true? By looking at what's happened. You mentioned the past beautifully, Eric. That is so true. That's how we know God's going to do what he's promised in the future is because what he's done in the past. And so we, we put that together. And I don't know, it's been out for maybe a month or two. I've lost track, but it has just taken off because it's bringing people hope and people need hope now more than ever in America. And that's why I believe for anyone who's listening, who's got a pulpit or evangelistic ministry, get out there now. We're running out of time. Go for it because people are ready. And, and I mean this with all uh, affection and love. If you see someone wearing a mask, you need to go straight to them 
and tell them, you don't need to be afraid anymore. Let me tell you the reason why. And give them the gospel. Because look, they can wear a mask thinking that they're protecting themselves against COVID. But only Jesus can deal with the SIN positive issue of sin. People, wouldn't it be amazing, Eric, if people feared sin as much as they're terrified of COVID? No kidding. Or if the gospel spread as fast as COVID spread. Yes. I mean, that's just like, come on, guys. Let's yeah. do something that's going to matter. I got so many things I want to ask you about. I get, there's a pastor in Seattle that just got arrested for reading the Bible on the street. I'll talk about that. I got, yeah. well, okay, let me start here. You you were part of a movie called After Trump, and it's um, in this, you had a bunch of faith leaders speak out about what's going on in our nation. And as you as you mentioned just a second ago, you said, you said, listen, all I'm doing is giving you the facts, but it seems like the facts have labeled you as kind of a political pastor. Yeah. Is that how you see yourself? Or is there like, what, what, how do you view that when you're speaking out and giving the facts and saying, just so you know, here's what's going on. You need to be aware of this. You have Charlie Kirk at your church and I'm always jealous because uh, <laughs> I'm like, man, to hang out with Charlie would be amazing. Okay. How do you view that? How do you view your role when you're, is this just a part of shepherding, shepherding your flock as I used at the beginning and that every pastor should be doing? What's Talk through wow. that. Thank you for asking that. I have to tell you for those, and many have been here from the beginning. Uh, in fact, the, the, the first three couples that made up six people <laughs> when we started this home Bible study are still with us. Having said that, wow. they would sit here today and tell you, Eric, nothing about what Jack is saying is different than what he was saying 30 years ago. It's never changed. Wow. What's bizarre is that the times have caught up to the message that we've been speaking, which is this. Yes, it is true. I'm labeled the political pastor, but I'm a little bit of a, a conundrum to people because they want to label me as a political pastor because it makes them, I think, feel better to right. do that. They're trying to degrade you. Yeah, but it doesn't work because I've been asked by uh, a political party twice to run for Congress and to run for assembly. And that's not my calling. My calling is to be a watchman on the wall. Um, I'm not going to run for office. I Listen, I do not get involved in politics. What I do is I take the ever-present, uh, in-the-moment, relevant Holy Spirit Bible, and it addresses the issue of abortion, child abuse, human trafficking, uh, lying, Think about, just think about the line that's going on in politics. And God has called me, and I think, I, I'm sorry, I've, I'm very biased about this. I think he's called every pastor to say, hey, I'm holding my local government accountable. You cannot do this because God's word says that we are to defend those who cannot defend themselves. Then I'm labeled as a political pastor. But look, the truth is, Eric, I don't speak out much on anything other than pro-life, liberty, freedom. I've read all of our founding fathers. Uh, and they're, even for those who were not born-again believers, they still believed in the incredible instruction of the Bible. So when I quote them, when I say, for example, that Thomas Jefferson said, when we start public schools, the Bible's got to be the preeminent textbook for our public school system. I'm labeled as a political pastor. Wow. I love history. I love the Bible. And I'm alive at this moment to equip people to come to church, get pumped up, and then turn them loose all week long for them, listen to this, 
for them to go do righteousness. My passion is making disciples. And the greatest thing that can happen is for them to get on out there and say, listen, the school board is not going, is not going to, um, listen to this, Eric, I hope I don't offend anybody, but this is the truth. Our school board will not be using bananas with condoms to show kids how to put these things on. Our school board is going to be teaching mathematics and engineering. And that's exactly what goes on. And so people don't like it. I get labeled. I don't mind. So it's not really that you're political. You're, you're not into the politics. You're just into the institutions that God gave us, which is family, church, and government. So Eric, how did we get to where we're at right now, for example, where in California, we have a radical, radical abortion policy in California that's going to get worse soon if, what's the if? If people are educated come this November and we get our voice out there to Christian, Christian, Muslim, Jew, atheist, I don't care who you are, look at the science. Inside that pregnant woman is a living, breathing baby. Will you allow that baby to be born and we'll adopt the baby? But we are against murdering the child for this reason. God says, defend that child. God says that he worked a miracle in the womb while yet none of the parts were seen or, or fashioned together. God had a, had a schematic for you and I and for everybody. Tell me, and I'm being sarcastic, Eric, with you because I love you. Tell me, where am I being political when I stand at the steps of Sacramento and I say, we are holding you, our legislators, responsible for the decision that you're going to make on pro-life? How, how am I political? Yeah, I, I go, it sounds like you're doing exactly what the founding fathers said that all people are supposed to do, which is elect leaders and hold them accountable. And that's why, they, that's why we have the system of government that we have exactly. here in America. Exactly. Right, let me exactly. ask you this. Did, did yeah. you see the uh, the video of the Seattle preacher, uh, Matthew McKinney, McKinnick, uh, something like that? He got arrested for reading the Bible in Seattle. He was uh, at the gay pride parade. And it's interesting that they have pride parades and God hates pride. But exactly. There and he's he's they they are the ones though, ripping his Bible apart, kicking it across the ground. They're the ones throwing things at him. They threw a barrier on top of him. Yeah. Police came, and instead of instead of arresting the people that did these crimes, they arrested him. Yeah. Okay. Give Give me your thoughts on something like that, because there are people there. There are Christians today that are going, well, he shouldn't have been there making such a big deal, or it's his fault for instigating X, even though nothing he did was illegal. Like, okay. Yeah. Help us yeah. understand this. Yeah, number one, getting back to that passage in Timothy, in the last days, perilous times will come. The word perilous in the Greek means slowly wearing down. Like if you're using a, a plane on some wood, right? Mm -hmm. Just wears you down. So knowing this, 2 Corinthians 10, 6 says, now this is a radical verse. This is a New Testament verse. Eric, check it out. This is in the New Testament, but who knows this? It says that by our obedience to Christ, we will punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Who quotes that verse? Who even reads that verse? It sounds like something out of the days of Elijah or something. What does this mean? It doesn't mean that we're, we're to be unloving. We are to be the most loving people on the planet. 
But when something offends the heart of God, God expects the believer to blow the trumpet. We've learned that from Isaiah and Ezekiel of warning. And so when this man, and I didn't see the video, so I'm assuming the guy's just reading the Bible and he's probably, I'm guessing he's probably reading Romans one or something like this, which is number one, completely legal in the United States. And even if it wasn't legal in the United States, it's appropriate because maybe, maybe when Paul wrote it, he wrote it to a Roman culture that was practicing those very things that he was talking about with the hope that someone's heart might be touched and they might come to know Christ. We also know that persecution is going to arise. It's going to get more prevalent. So for you and I, we want to be the most loving people and represent Jesus so perfectly clear. But Eric, if Jesus was the most loving person the universe has ever known, then why was he so hated? He was hated because he represented righteousness. So here's the deal. I think this, I think because Seattle, Portland, LA is a bubble, is a bubble of weirdness that this will eventually go to the Supreme Court. And this guy is going to win big and Seattle's going to wish they had never uh, dealt with this guy that way because it's all on video. The evidence, imagine (laughs) presenting the evidence, roll the tape. Yeah, I mean, it's all there. Now, here's the beautiful thing. You say, well, Jack, now see, you're getting into politics because you're talking about the Supreme Court. I encourage people to read the Supreme Court Chief Justice of the United States of America, John Jay. You should read what he said. You should should read his quotes about how the Supreme Court should function under the covering of the Judeo-Christian worldview Bible. John Jay, remarkable. So liberty and freedom is something that God speaks to us in the Bible about. Jesus brings us liberty and freedom, and we're to represent that. I do believe that when this makes it, and it's probably going to go pretty quick to the Supreme Court. um, Yeah, Seattle's going to wish they had not treated him in an unconstitutional way. I I watched a video that he did, or interview afterwards. He had just gotten out of the courthouse, and he said, what I don't understand is how they can have 10 officers come and arrest me when there are guys, grown men with children present, completely nude, you know, oh, yes. 200 feet away. And yes. they're not stopping that, but they're arresting me for reading the Bible. So my next question is, do you think if he read the Bible and he was naked, that he could have gotten away with this? Is that kind of what we need to do as Christians next? Is that, I'm being sarcastic there. You're being sarcastic, but I don't know if your listeners would even believe this. If I, I, I know that if he would have read the Bible naked in San Francisco, where you can walk around naked. You can ride your bikes naked in San Francisco. You can sit on a park bench. Here's the rule. They just changed the law, by the way. You can sit on a park bench in San Francisco naked as long as you have a newspaper or a towel that separates your body parts from the public bench to be uh, a health barrier. I didn't so know if you're, you're So kidding. what if you are naked reading the Bible Maybe you know what, Eric? What if he was naked reading the Song of Solomon? He probably would have had a little, a little read, a Bible reading hour, and everybody would have gathered around for that one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, did, uh, got a question that came in from YouTube. They're asking, "Hey, at what point does it become acceptable to reject government who rejects 
yeah. uh, and doesn't abide by God's law. And I know that even in my life of 44 years, for the last 20 years, people have been asking that question. Oh, when do we, when do we, when do we? And I, I go, and I, okay, I'll, I'll leave it to you. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm like, man, that's a good question. I don't think we're there yet. I mean, you look at other countries and where yeah. things are going on there. I'll talk about that in a second. But any, yeah. what comes to your mind when, when somebody asks that? Yeah, I'm, I, I've, I'm with you on this. Number one, let's start with this. Romans 13 tells us that God has given us the governments that rule over us, okay? And that those who represent that government do not bear their sword in vain. So when you talk about at what point do we begin to overthrow or whatever, we're not there yet. Our Constitution affords for that, but even the Constitution clearly teaches that we're not there yet. But you say, Jack, forget the Constitution. We're believers. Didn't, didn't Peter and the guys disobey government when they said, you know, you judge if, if we're to be silent or not, but we're going to preach Christ. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm saying to you, if you're watching or listening right now, I went through that personally, literally here in California, where, look, Eric, remember when, when Trump said, can you give me 15 days? Because it sounds like we're all going to be dropping dead. Okay, 15 days. And then he, he asked for another 15 days to flatten the curve. Yep. Well, you and I probably started to feel, number one, this doesn't sound right. Number two, Trump doesn't even sound like he believes it. Right. But this I know for sure. Lord, I need to seek your face really hard because something doesn't seem right. If somebody's sick, I'm supposed to be running around with oil, anointing them and praying for them to heal them. So we're going to open up. So I sent, a, I sent a video to the governor and I said, we're opening up. With all due respect, we got to open up. And, you know, this whole thing about essential or non-essential, the right. Lord really laid it on my heart on April 26th. I'll never forget it. Jack, stop thinking about the church being essential or non-essential. Don't put my church in a category of a business. My church is transcendent. It's not one or the other of those things. It's transcendent. And Jack, you don't have the authority to shut the doors of my church for behold, I've set before you an open door that no man can shut. And man, I got on the horn and by God's grace, we had over 1100 pastors in the state open up on May 31st. Wow. And what happened? We disobeyed the government. But a beautiful thing I saw that I've never seen before. In Romans 13, Eric, it says that God places those authorities in power for them to do good. The word good was what flipped it for me. It's not good to withhold the gospel. It's not good to shut the doors of your church when people are terrified, needing prayer, and are contemplating suicide. And to prove to you that it's not good, even some of our local governments came to us privately and asked us to help them meet the needs of the elderly in our community, okay? So we violated the edict by the state. We gave honor to the state. I told the governor with all due respect, we must do this. It's not personal, but we have to do this. And in doing so, I'm sitting here talking with you today with my conscience completely cleared of having operated in the area of safety, and then obeying the government, and then obeying God. Wow. Yep. And you really, 
you went ahead and I know you guys put a lot of precautions in place, but you said, look, we, we are going to have church services. When they say don't sing, we're still going to sing. We offered, Eric, we offered it all. We'd literally, number one, we offered it where people could, uh, well, we were streaming, of course, but you could come and listen in your car on the radio. You could come to our lawn area. We have a big pavilion. You can sit outside or you can sit in these designated areas six feet apart from everybody else. Or you can go to our sanctuary and sit shoulder to shoulder like you always have all your life. We offered every possible scenario. We had sanitation stations. If somebody forgot a mask and they wanted a mask, they could wear it if they wanted to. But we never once said, you got to wear a mask. You got to sign in. You got to this. You got to that. No way. I mean, you know what? God's people, he knows how to speak to his people. Eric and Jack didn't die for his people. He died for them and he knows how to lead them. And, um, you know, from that time, God just catapulted the ministry crazy. And um, I want to believe that when those 1,100 other churches opened up in California, that, um, that it sent a message. But people might be surprised. We've got a crazy government that's in the middle, believe it or not, of a very red state. People don't believe this. California, when you get out of, out of downtown San Diego, San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, you guys, it's red, white, and blue here. I mean, I've got cowboy boots on right now. That's how, <laughs> that's how red California can be. But people don't realize that because our government is so loud and mean. Well, I've heard the other side try to, again, try to push you guys down and say what you're doing is unsafe, almost treating it as though you don't even think there's like the acting like the coronavirus is not real, like that people haven't died from this. And Sounds to me like you're going, no, we're taking this very seriously. Yep. We're, we're allowing people to be very, very cautious, but we're also abiding by our con conscience. Yeah, absolutely. The Los Angeles Times, in fact, it was kind of a weird day, I'll tell you. I was up, um, I was up in Simi Valley and my phone started lighting up. And I'll tell you this, shorten the story. It was a Tuesday. I got 11 phone calls from 11 different newspapers doing a report. And they all asked the same question. It's almost like they had a meeting before. What are we going to ask this guy? It was embarrassing. And I told them, I said, you guys should be embarrassed because you're the Chicago Sun and you're the sixth phone call today. And this is what you've asked. Pastor, what are you going to do when you are responsible for a super spreader and you kill people? Number one, we never had a super spreader. Uh, in, the in the entire time, we had four people died from COVID-related illnesses. They were all over 74 years of age and they had diabetes. We're sorry we lost them, but they're in heaven. No super spreader, but here's the deal. I was accused of being the pastor who's going to kill off his flock, wow. okay? One wow. year later, one year later, do you think the New York Times called me up or the Atlantic <laughs> or the Chicago Sun to ask, hey, pastor, how many people are dead? Should what you happened? be arrested? nobody called. Interesting. Not one. So I got to let our social media go. If you're joining me live on Facebook or on YouTube, man, I, I'm just so glad you guys joined us. This is kind of a peek inside some of the discipleship that we do week after week. Uh, if you want to get access to all of our discipleship material, you can go to creationtoday.org. But let me give you one other website that you need to check out today before you go. We'll throw it in the chat. Go to jackhibbs.com. It's jackhibbs.com. 
man, Pastor Jack's teachings are presented there. They have a monthly thing that they do to, to help give away and help resource and equip you with these truths. You can get his brand new book, uh, Devotional Countdown to What's Going On. And I really want you to check that out uh, because the difference that he's making and the principles that he's teaching don't just apply to California. They apply everywhere. And I really think you'd be wise to learn from the practical application and from the knowledge that Pastor Jack brings from Scripture. So please go check out jackhibbs.com. And, oh, I got some giveaway winners. Thank you, Amanda, for reminding me of that. Let me find those real quick. Where are they at, Amanda? I'm trying to find them here. Uh, so if you joined us online and you were, there it is. Hey, on YouTube, uh, username certainly exists. I hope that's talking about God. Could also talk about you because you're here. YouTube certainly exists. You get a free copy. I think we're giving away this right here. Trump 2020, or uh, after Trump, uh, the movie that has uh, Pastor Jack in it. Genesis movie, Facebook, Nesey, or Nesey, N-S-E-Y-A. Uh, to, I, okay, you're from South Africa. I cannot pronounce that name. You'll have to forgive me. But my sister and my brother-in-law just landed in South Africa today to minister over there with you guys. So thank you for watching. Creation Today Facebook page, Jennifer Klein. You, all you need to do, guys, uh, Jennifer Klein and Nisea Tish, I Anyway, uh, South Africa watcher and uh, certainly exists. Please send us a message, comments at creationtoday.org. Send us an email, comments at creationtoday.org, and we will get you your copy of After Trump. And I'm just so glad you guys joined us next week. I'm 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 pretty excited about next week. I I speak at a camp every year in California, and I've asked the guys that lead this who are just men of God. They've seen camp speaker after camp speaker, and seen guys that could, I mean, the pews and the paint would repent and trust in Christ after hearing some of these guys speak. And then they've also seen them those same pastors or those same preachers walk away from ministry. And so I go there and I ask them personal questions about my ministry and what they've seen and try to get advice. And I, I said, guys, would you be willing to sit down with me and have the conversation? What, what does it look like to measure success in ministry with everything you've seen? So next week, they're sitting down with me to talk about that. I want you to join me next Wednesday at noon for that conversation. It really is going to be good. So thank you guys so much for joining me. I look forward to seeing you next week. If you want the rest of this conversation, come on over to creation today dot org.